just let Bev handle things from here on in. We, we, are, we are very um, privileged to have a community that is full of the prophetic, that it bubbles over at, at, any, at any, just touch the waters and it bubbles over. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that we almost have to try and manage what there is instead of trying to manufacture something. It's just, it's, there's the life of God in the prophetic in this place and it's just absolutely amazing. I just also want to, uh, Stan just texted me this morning, just wanted to send his love, Stan and Heather send their love. They're in Johannesburg this weekend with, um, with the caters, with, um, let me get, at Upper Room Church, that's Anton and Ange, so they're having a, apparently an amazing time there, so why don't we just pray for them right now, because they're probably speaking right now. Father, we just, we just thank you that we are ascending church. We thank you that we are an apostolic church, that we're a prophetic church, that we release and we send. And so we just pray for Stan and Heather um, this morning, their time there this morning, that it would be profound, that it would be powerful, and that it would bless and impact. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right. I've got to choose. Either it's my notes or it's you. Okay, I'm going to go with the notes. <laughs> so you're going to be a blur. So if you, fall, if you actually close your eyes and sleep, I really wouldn't know. So you have permission. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really amazing when the prophetic words that come up are actually all the points to your sermon. You know, it's like, okay, well, I might as well, you know, um, so I apologize if it sounds a little bit like deja vu as I'm preaching. You kind of, now I've heard that before. Well, you have because the guys have all shared it in the, in the prophetic words. But, but it, 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 we, we're in an incredible season. There is something happening. There is a groundswell beginning to shift. There's, it's, it's a building of momentum. And, you know, when you have conversations with people that is coming up, all the time. Even guys who are going through tough seasons, there's, there's something of an expectation in them. And it's really, really is, is an exciting, exciting time. And, and this morning, what I would like to speak about is, is navigating our breakthrough. You see, for many of us, when you talk about breakthrough, it's like, it's a target. It's over there. I'm heading for my breakthrough. And, and, and we can really, we can approach it in two ways. And, and, and I'm going to exaggerate, but, but that is, we got the one, the one way, which is kind of like the hyper-faith way. And you're in there, this is going to happen no matter what. And you're praying for it. And you're prophesying. And you're actualizing. And you're doing everything you can. But your breakthrough is coming. You know, you, you, it's, this is it. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. And you've got the other side, which kind of like, it's like, oh God, get me out of here. If you don't come through, nothing's ever going to happen. It's been the same for the last 15 years. I don't know what, but I know there's breakthrough, but I have no idea how I'm going to get there. But the truth is this, is that breakthrough is not a destination. You see, breakthrough, what we refer to as breakthrough is actually a doorway into another realm. It's a doorway into the next season. And we often see it, when I get that, oh, but actually when you get that, 
it's the start of another whole process for the next season and the start of another whole process. And so when we are not understanding that we're in process and we're holding out for the breakthrough, we're going to live our life from moment to moment to moment and, and struggle all the way through the seasons. What we need to understand is that I'm in process and this is what it's going to be like for the rest of my life. That God is going to be working with me and I'm going to come to a breakthrough. My realm's going to be enlarged. Then God's going to work with me and I'm going to come to another breakthrough. And it's a very powerful understanding because it shifts how we live our lives. Instead of like holding out for the one day, the one day, we begin to understand that it's in the now that I can, I can do things and I can be things and I can allow God to shift me. Okay. Now, the interesting thing is how, when you have breakthrough, whether you flourish in the new realm or in the new season, or you flounder, or things don't work out for you, actually depends on how you embrace the process of the previous season. Okay, that's really, really important. So, how you are coping and managing and embracing the process of this season right now that you're going through is going to allow you to flourish in the next season. Or conversely, flounder in the next season. Okay, I want us to just get that connection. And in fact, you see this playing out so powerfully when you look at at lottery winners. So it's a, a study was done in America, as all, all, this, all the good studies you get seem to come from America. And it was done, and they went and studied all the lottery winners. And when, let me just say, when you look at American lotteries, it's not like ours. It's not like 45 million. It's like 450 billion or whatever, you know. It's big money in rands. You know, really, really, it's big. And they went and they got hold of Lottery winners 10 years after they'd won the lottery. And they, and they interviewed them and they asked them questions and they found out a whole lot of things. And this is what they discovered. The only people, nearly to, to a T, that benefited from the lottery were those who were wealthy before the lottery came. For everybody else, the winning the lottery was a curse. You see, when you haven't had process and you have breakthrough, it's going to fall apart and be a curse. So what was meant to be a blessing becomes a curse. That's why in the goodness of God, he withholds breakthrough because he doesn't want the next season to be a curse in your life. He protects you by constraining you where you are and preparing you for the next season. Okay. Cool. So if we want to look at a, at a really powerful story of process, I think one of the, it just jumps out at us, is the story of Joseph. I mean, that's just, you, you just need to read through Joseph, and you can just see a story of preparation. It's not a pretty story. In fact, it's an ugly story many times. You know, there's all sorts of things in that story, you know. And, um, but it's an incredibly powerful story of a young man stewarding his process so he can be what God calls him to be at the end of the day. 
And so that's, um, I want to just pull out a couple of things. Um, so Joseph's story starts off really with a dream or with some dreams. And the dreams get him into trouble. It's kind of like winning the lotto before you prepared. That's what happened to Joseph. He gets these dreams that he really didn't understand what he was saying and the implications of what he was sharing with his family, and it got him into trouble. And he goes from the dreams, he goes into the pit, ends up in Potiphar's house, then in prison, and then with Pharaoh. It's all peas, eh? I've been wanting to say that for a long time, get something at all. <laughs> yeah. And he ends up really as prime minister of Egypt. And when we tell the story of Joseph, we, 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 in many ways, we stop the story there. That Joseph was vindicated. There was something of all the, through the things, he, God brings him out, and boom, look at Joseph. He's absolutely amazing. And we lose the power of what actually happened when we stop the story there. Or whether we, we read the story and see, wow, look how faithful Joseph was, and God rewarded him and put him in this place because he was faithful. When we look at the story like that, we also rob the story of some power. So I want us to just look at the story slightly differently this morning. You see, actually, let me just do a quick sidestep on this. For too many of us, we walk into something, God raises us up. He puts us into a space. He gives us authority. He gives us finances. He does, he does something with us. He puts us in a new realm, and we don't understand our why. We don't understand why God has done that. And when we don't understand the why where we are, we start to flounder in that thing. So whether it's, whether it's business people who kind of revel in their success and how successful they've been and their wisdom has made them successful and they kind of take on a thing where this has got me where I am because they don't understand why God has put them where they are. And even in, in leaders, in church leaders, suddenly when we don't understand, the shift happens where it's almost like you guys are here to make me as a leader look good. And it's a subtle, subtle shift and we don't say it out because we're good Christians, but we think it. And so it's really, really important that, that we understand the promotions in God and why we go into this thing. Otherwise, we flounder and we don't get where we need to be. It works like this. When you don't yield to the processes of God... We don't get the purpose of God in our lives. When we don't yield to the processes of God, we don't understand the purpose of God in our lives. And then the position we occupy gets twisted and it becomes about us in some way or another. It, we make it about, we, you know, we all have in varying degrees narcissistic tendencies. That's just one of the things of the fall. When you're not dead, you're a narcissist. That's how it is, you know. We don't allow Jesus to, to deal with us and kill us. There's something of a narcissistic tendency where we will always make it about us. 
That's what our fallen flesh does. And when we don't let the processes of God deal with those things, we don't understand the position of God that we have. Okay. So, just coming back to, um, to Joseph. Actually, hang on. Let me just say this. Sorry. We can see people in our lives that look profoundly successful, whether it's business people, whether it's church leaders, whether it's teachers, whether it's prophets, whatever it is, but they haven't understood God's purpose in their lives. They haven't dealt with some of the issues in their lives. From a distance, it looks, the field looks green and flourishing. But the thing is this, when the harvest comes, it's only then you begin to see, but a lot of it was weeds. And a lot of what they did, and a lot of what I did in my life, and a lot of what I engaged in, didn't matter when it counted. And I think it's the grace of God that locks us into process so that we make sure that what we do matters eternally. It's really, really, really important. I, I can't think of anything more tragic than arriving in heaven one day and thinking you've at least done your best and realizing that you didn't deal with things and you, you, you listened to your own propaganda and you thought you were amazing, but actually there was no f eternal fruit in what you did. And that, I think, is the most tragic, tragic thing that can happen to us. So I want to, to give us some points about how we can make sure that we actually we step into the goodness of God, we lock ourselves to what God's purposes are, and there is fruit in our lives, and there is, there is, there is change, there is goodness, there is, there is things that happen in our lives that impact people, and this kingdom, it's not all about Hilton. Okay. Mark 4, verse 19, just highlights a thing. When uh, Jesus is, is just sharing with the guys about, he's just spoken about the, the parable of the sower. We all know that parable. I think it's probably the most preached on parable ever. And, and he talks about the, 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 the seeds that, that fall in the ground and they start to grow up and then the weeds come around and get it. When you actually read that, do you know what the weeds signify? Listen to this. The weeds signify the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. The cares of the world, that's so when you're worried about what you're going to eat, how you're going to cope, what you're going to do, the cares of the world, very real. The deceitfulness of riches, so that's not riches, it's the deceitfulness of it. Because why riches is so deceitful? Because it will do this. You know, if I've got rent due at the end of the month and I have no money in my bank, I'm on my knees and saying, God, help me. You know what I'm saying? If I've got 50,000 rand in my bank, I kind of can have the posture, I've got this. I don't really need God as much as I do if I don't have rent coming. And so rich, the deceitfulness of riches is that it lets you think that you're okay. You don't need God. And it deceives you profoundly. So it's the deceitfulness of riches. And the final one, 
is the desire for other things. So there is a desire for things that will rob the purposes of God in your life. And I think one of the most powerful things we can do is to ask God to, get, to help us get rid of the things that we desire for that are not what He wants to give us. And often when we, 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 we preach this, this beautiful, beautiful truth that God is a good Father, some of us take it to the next step and He will give me what I want. But let me ask you, if you're a good father and your four-year-old wants a knife, you know, it's, we're not going to give it. We're absolutely not. The goodness of God is beyond what we understand as goodness. And so the, the, the desire for other things will rob the purposes of God coming to full fruition in our lives. And it says that there, in the, and when Jesus explains it, he says, the desire for other things enter in and choke, and it proves unfruitful. So when those things are there, whatever you're doing will prove unfruitful in the end. It's, it's, I mean, it is sobering, but you know what the beautiful thing is? Jesus has already set us up for victory. He's set us up for victory, and the key that I want to just share, I've got five points, four points to share, is when we understand how much Jesus has stacked the cards in our favor, we just have to understand a few things and walk in that, and it's done. We operate from victory. It's not a hard thing, this. The hard part is dealing with ourselves. That's the hard part. Okay. I'm just going to drop a whole part of my sermon out. Coming back to Joseph, when... When Joseph gets promoted, he gets married, he marries, and he has his first child. And he names his first child, and I have no idea how to pronounce it, Mananesh or Manesha or however. Um, and he says this about it. God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. So Joseph's way of dealing with the pain of what had happened to him was to pack it away and put it behind. And he could live in this space where it was okay because that was behind him now. The pain was behind him. But the point is this. If he had stayed in that space with that thinking and that understanding, he would have proved profoundly unfruitful in what God's purposes were for Joseph's life. And suddenly his brothers come back on the scene. And if you read the text, it's a fascinating story. I'm not even going to read it because it's just so long. But it's kind of like Joseph has settled down. This is my new life. I'm all good. His brothers arrive and suddenly everything else gets reminded and he starts to have this wrestle with how things, how he's going to cope with this and how he's going to deal with this. And um, but it's interesting. It says a little bit further on in the text. And then he remembered his dreams. Isn't that beautiful? And suddenly he began to click and start putting things back into place. There was a purpose in what God had sent me for. There was dreams that were given to me that 
this is what was going to happen in my future. And he remembers his dreams. And in a sense, he begins to allow his heart to be softened towards his family. And the thing was, when he allowed his heart to be softened towards his family, he was actually allowing his heart to be softened towards his destiny. Because they were his destiny. That was the very reason he was there. Isn't it incredible? And if he didn't allow that, he wouldn't have walked into God's purposes. And then the, 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 one of the, the key things in Genesis 45, verse 7, where, where Joseph suddenly begins to understand what this was all about. And he says to his brothers, guys, it was okay. This wasn't you. This wasn't you. And I just want to read some of the things. He says, don't be angry with yourselves. God sent me before you to preserve you. It's not you who sent me, but God. And so if you think about it, what's happened is Joseph has completely retold his story of what happened. God has reinterpreted his story to line up with what his destiny is going to be. He could have kept to the old narrative. He had every right to. And these guys weren't particularly kind to him, but he locks onto this new narrative, and he, he, because of that, he begins, and the key there, God has sent me before you to preserve you. He's beginning to get a hint of what this is all about. See, it's, it was never actually about Joseph. It was never about Joseph. In Ephesians 1, even as he, that's Jesus, chose us in him, sorry, even as he chose us in him, which is Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus according to the purpose of his will. Ephesians is telling us that God knew before the beginning of time that we were going to get adopted. He planned for us to get adopted. So when he gave Joseph dreams, you and I were on the mind of God to one day, through what Joseph had gone through, through all of Israel, through Moses, through David, through Jesus, you and I, we're on the mind of God when he gave Joseph dreams. See, it was never about Joseph. It was about a far higher purpose. And when we understand that for ourselves, we can slot in the purposes of God in the most profound and powerful way where I guarantee you, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, so let's, let's make this practical. I've got four points. How do we honor the process? That's really what it's about, isn't it? How, how do I cooperate with the Holy Spirit as He begins to prepare me for what I was called to be for my destiny step by step? How do I do that? And there's lots of things you can go to, but I've got four key, key points 
that I, I have found through my own mistakes and observations profoundly, profoundly powerful. Point number one. It's really, really key in life for us to understand what is God's responsibility and what is my responsibility. You see, my responsibility is to posture myself correctly, is to keep my heart tender, is to be, have my ears open to what God is saying, is to have my attitudes right, to deal with hurts and pains and disappointments. That's my responsibility. The internal stuff, the stuff that is, God has given me to steward is mine to be responsible for. The external stuff, that God's going to take care of. He's going to position you. He's going to put you in the right space. He's going to bring the right conversation. He's going to get people to recognize what you're doing. He's going to set those things up. He's clever enough and powerful enough to engineer whatever he wants to engineer in our lives. And I wonder if he's waiting for us to respond to a spirit to adjust and be pliable and whatever so he can bring to pass what he wants to in our lives. He's got things for us to walk into, but we haven't allowed the adjustments to happen. So that's number one. Let me just say this. Too many of us have that the wrong way around. It's like, God, change me. Change my heart. And yes, he does change our heart, but he needs our cooperation. You're kind of like, God, I've got issues I don't even want to deal with, but you just come along and be like the fairy godmother and deal with all these things. And so we're wanting God to deal with us, and then we go and grab what we want. I'm going to go and talk to that person. Flip, I know Stan's like, he's this. I'm going to go and chat to him. Oh, this person's got a big deal coming. Let me just go and be friends with him. I'll even give him a prophetic word because I've heard from somebody else. So I'm going to get a bit of favor. We can, let me tell you, if you've been in church long enough or you've been in things, you can engineer favor in any way you want to if you know how to play the game. It's like, it's no different to the politics of the corporate world. You get people who know how to play the game and put in the right purse you know, blow smoke in the right place and that kind of thing, and they get to where they need to be. But the problem is this. When you engineer something, when you grab hold of something, when you make this your thing, you better hold on tight because somebody else is coming to wrestle it away from you. But if God's given it to you, you can be open-handed because no one's going to take it away from you. And we have too many people so insecure about what they've got because they've grabbed it. And they're honestly, in the, in the, in the, in the quietness and the silence of their, of their prayer closet, they can't actually give that to God because they know they grabbed it. And they don't have faith for that. They've held on to it. And I want to say to us in the most beautiful, beautiful way, let go and let God. If you are in a realm or in a space that God didn't give to you, you are going to use all your energy holding on to what wasn't yours anyway. And it might look fruitful from a distance, but when all is said and done, it's going to be weeds. It's going to be weeds. No 30, no 60, no 100. 
So I think it's God's grace for us that He allows us to crash and burn sometimes so that we allow Him, we, we line ourselves up to what He has for us and we don't kill ourselves trying to grab what we've got for ourselves. Is that, is that okay? So that's the first point. Understanding what is God's responsibility and understanding what is ours. You never, ever, ever need to broadcast your own propaganda, people. You never, never have to blow your own trumpet. You never, ever have to align yourself for your own promotion. There is something beautiful about hiddenness. Ern McManus, he writes a book on uh, the, the, the way of a warrior, and it's a really good book. I do recommend it. If, um, but one of, he, he writes, there's eight codes of a warrior, and, and a warrior being a Christian warrior, you know, a warrior for Christ. And, and I think a second code is the way of the warrior is hiddenness. And he says, this world has confused greatness and popularity. We're all, we think popularity is greatness. But he said, greatness is doing what God has called you to do and being who God has called you to do. If no one ever knows, it doesn't matter. And then, if it is in God's will to expose you and make you known that is God's thing and it's not your thing and it's never going to shift you because that was never what it was about. It is always about doing what God called you to do. So hiddenness is a beautiful thing. If you are being hidden by God, enjoy that season because God is doing something profound and something deep. Don't, don't, don't. Promote yourself. And can I say, can I say this? And you can, if you have a problem with this, you can go to Christian afterwards. He'll, gotta, he'll sort you out. There is a, there is a, and this is not my thing. This is, uh, my brother actually shared this with me and it, it just struck me. There is a, a misuse of testimony. So there's a, a testimony is an incredibly powerful thing. And the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, and sharing what God's done is beautiful and it's incredible. But very, very often the spirit behind a lot of testimony, especially on social media, is not about Jesus, it's about me and how, how God used me. But the me is the most important part in the equation. You know, and hey, God used me to heal. 15 people got healed and this happened and that happened. God's moving mightily through me. And, it's, and I, I, I don't know where the dividing line is, but I, I will say this. If you, if you enjoy being known, and if you enjoy letting people know about what God's doing through you in a way that's probably a little bit unhealthy, don't deal with that. Set that aside. Don't, don't give testimony if it's about you. Don't do it. It's, not, it's, it's just going to cause you, you, yourself problems. It really, really is. Okay, second point. My goodness, I've got 34 seconds to finish three points. Here we go. You know, before I got up to preach, my daughter Kate gave me a lecture. She says, Dad, don't be long, hey? Don't be like the people you moan about. (laughs) 
So I'm hanging my head in shame. I'm just going to walk straight to the car and I'm not going to look at her in the eyes. <laughs> okay. The second thing is, when we're in process, God's way is family. It's community. It's togetherness. It's belonging. God always works in families. And when I say family, I'm not talking about mummy, daddy, and two and a half children. I'm talking this is family. This is family. Whether you're single, married, married three times or four times, and you're just processing stuff, whatever, this is family. We're all family. Home group is family. Your group of friends is family. People, and, and God will process our hurts and our problems and our, our stuff in family. You know, um, God sets up churches as healing communities. You know, I mean, Janine and I came out of a situation, we've been at Glenridge like a year and a half now, where we were profoundly bent and, and broken, you know. And uh, I'd, in the sort of three years previous to that, I'd, I'd, my mother died from cancer. Then my father died from cancer a year and a bit after that. Then our business went bankrupt. And then I, I was in, in, in ministry, and that kind of came to a, a, an abrupt end. And there was a whole lot of other things. And it was kind of like every area of my life had come crashing down. You know? And there was, the only thing that was good was my marriage and my children. Thank you, Jesus which was the most important. But the point was there, was, there was deep, deep hurt and deep all sorts of stuff. And, 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 and I had issues with the prophetic words in me that seemed to have failed with this, with all sorts of things. But the one thing I did know, and Janine and I settled, is we are going to find family. Not, we're not going to attend a church. We're going to find family. And we joined, we joined Glenrich and, 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 you know, even out of that pain, Janine, and she's probably going to whack me for this. That's okay. But she said, I don't know if I can belong to a church again. You know, that was the extent of the pain. But you press on and you do this thing. And we join this, this, this home group of beautiful, beautiful people, uh, the, the Watsons. Who knows Mark and Angie Watson? Come on. I mean, that couple is just a pastoral gift, you know, they just, and, and we, we, we connect in with this, and suddenly, healing begins to come to the Mandels, because we connected into family, and they didn't do anything special, they didn't, whatever, who they were was healing for us, and, 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 and so when you try and go through life on your own, you're going to end up broken and bent and whatever. And that's when I say there are seasons of aloneness. Absolutely, I get that. I get that. There are seasons when you've got to figure things out on your own. I get that. But when God works in community, there's something about being connected that, that in, in good times causes us to fray, but in bad times, they just put their arms around us and they love us. So community, community, community. God's way is family. God's way is family. Restoration happens in community. Point number three. When we're going through stuff, we need to be asking the right questions. As simple, simple as that. 
very, very often the reason why you're not getting the right answers is because you're not asking the right questions. Simple as that. And, and when I say asking the questions, sometimes it's the posture of our hearts to God, the questioning of our hearts, not the specific questions, the, the posture of our hearts to God needs to be in the right tone. And so when you're going through tough times, most of us, who, who's not going through a tough time? Put up your hand. Okay, there's about six of you, okay? So for the rest, the six of you, you can ignore this, but the others. <laughs> when you're going through a tough time, 99.9% of us kind of say, what do I need to do to get out of here? How do I finish this? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What, 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 what? The question really needs to be this. Father, what are you doing to me in this season? What do you need me to change in this season? Because when I change that, the season can come to an end. When I change that, the season can come to an end. You know, I, I, was, I was pondering the other day, and I often like just think about life and situations. So, and I have, I've got a friend, uh, a good friend, who, whose, whose life kind of in many senses came crashing down. And there's pain, and, there's, and it's like his end his, is not how he thought it was going to be, not how anyone thought it was going to be. And it's just, it's just a sad story, whichever way you look at it. And, and I was just... And I was like pondering this and saying, God, how did it end up that my mate, you know, probably through his own choices and own decisions and whatever, ended up in a space that it didn't work out how it should have. And, and while I was kind of thinking of this, the thing that came to mind was the 50 small steps. You see, we don't go wrong in one big step. You know, it's not one day... I'm worshiping Jesus and loving Jesus, and the next day I'm having an affair. You know, that you don't, we don't jump big steps, but we have 50 small steps. So one day I'm worshiping Jesus, 50 small steps later, I'm having an affair. And there's not one of those steps was particularly big. They were all small little steps. So it was just a little bit of this, just a little bit of that. And so I was pondering this, and I was thinking, gee, okay, wow, processing this whole thing. Anyway, went, went to sleep. Three o'clock in the morning, I get woken up, and it's like, I'm like, oh, what was that? And I'm lying in bed, and, I, and I, I kind of feel like the conviction of God on me, and I'm like, okay, God, are you saying something to me? What, what's going on here? And as I'm kind of lying there, I feel the Holy Spirit say to me, Hilton, in this area, you've taken five steps already. And it was like, oh, wow. And it was like, okay, I need to make adjustments here. I need to fix this here. And you see, when our hearts aren't to God, what are you wanting to change in me? We don't hear that. We can't hear that. It's like when, you, it's like when you're in one of those, those booths. You know, if you go to those international conferences and you've got the booths, where you, the translation booths, and you can choose which language you want to hear. You know, have you ever been to one of those? There's like six languages. They've got all these interpreters. So you put on your headphones and you, it could be in a, they could, the guy could be speaking Italian, but you can hear English, you know. And if, you, if you're in the booth or you've got the headphones on and I'm tuned to Italian, 
I'm not going to hear anything. I'm asking the wrong question. I'm in the wrong frame. And so when we're going through things and we think, God, how do I get out of here? We're speaking Italian, people. And if you're Italian, French. <laughs> but we're speaking the wrong language. We're not going to hear what God wants to say to us. We need to hear in the language. God, what are you wanting to change in me? Final point. And this is possibly the greatest truth that we can hear from Joseph, the story of Joseph. And it was this, simple, simple, simple. It wasn't and it isn't about me. Your journey primarily is not about you. It's about those you've called to make a difference to, those you're going to bring into the kingdom, those you're going to heal, all these things. So I'm, doing, I'm making adjustments in my life for my children and my children's children. So the legacy that are my natural children and my spiritual children. I'm making adjustments. And when I think it's about me, there's that king, as Ahab, I think, where it was just give me 15 years more and don't worry about my family. That's a terrible, terrible thing. When I think it's about me, I just want what makes my life okay, and I don't care what happens. And that's, that's demonic. Absolutely, it's, that's what the de how the devil operates. And so the most powerful, powerful thing we can do is understand that it's not about me. You know, we love that saying, um, on earth as it is in heaven. Who loves that? You know, and, and kind of like, let's pray, let's pray heaven down to earth. Let's do that. Let's, let's make your king, you know, heaven on earth, heaven on earth, heaven on earth. But the line before that, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The context for on earth as it is in heaven is your kingdom come, your will be done. This is not what Hilton wants, and, and, and sometimes what I want lines up with what heaven wants, but it always has to be what does the Father want? Because what the Father wants will produce fruit, will produce life, and I will be in the best space I can be in. Okay. You see, when we make our lives about Him, it unshackles Him to make it about us. Because we're making it about Him. And He unshackles the kingdom to do this. So I want to I want to pray for us because I think I think I, I I just my heart is this is that we would hear this we would we would before the King of Kings before the Lord of Lords and make some adjustments start asking the right questions guys there is something happening in this community God is on the move the Spirit of God is moving but we will not walk into that if we don't allow ourselves to get enlarged. You know, it's like this, how do you fit more water into a bottle? Do you know how to fit more water into a bottle? You can't. You need to change the bottle. We are the bottle. We want more of God, but we're still the same container. We're not allowing ourselves to be enlarged and changed and shifted and undone and broken and enlarged and enlarged and enlarged. Don't say more of you, Lord, if you're not prepared to be broken and changed. Let's bow our heads.
Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that as, a, as the good father from whom every father derives his name, that you have our best interests at heart, that your plan and your purpose stems back from eternity. For each one of us right now, you had us in mind when you gave Joseph those dreams, when you created an Eden, you had us in mind. You had set up a mechanism of adoption to bring us close to you because you knew there was no other way that we could do it unless we were adopted. So, Father, I want to ask, as every heart is still, as our heads are bowed, Father, show us, Holy Spirit, show each one of us, speak to us, convict us, of what we need to adjust, of what thinking needs to shift, of what posture needs to shift, of what desires are not healthy. Show us these things so that we can walk into the fullness of what you have, so that we can become who you created us to become. All these things need to be thrown off because they're things that hinder. So right now, Father, if I just ask for just for the next minute, let's just stay quiet. Ask God. Lord, show me. Thank you.